With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, good Sunday evening, everybody. Welcome to the Rocky Top Rewind. I am Eric Kane alongside Brett Hubbs here on live on the VolQuest YouTube uh, page. And we're presented by... This Rocky Top Rewind every single Sunday night by Spivey King and Spivey LLP. If you got a problem, let them find a solution for you. It's TN Trial Lawyers. Give them a call today for a free consultation at 423-245-4185. You can visit them online at SpiveyKingandSpiveyLLP.com. Tennessee takes one on the chin, 36-7 to the final score, losing to Missouri, falling to 7-3 and 3-3 in the SEC. Yeah, you've got to you've got to try to learn from it and move on because the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs coming to town. Two more games left in this regular season, but obviously Brent Hubbs, it was a, a disappointing atmosphere. It was a disappointing result for Tennessee at Missouri. Yeah, it was a bad day. I played bad, and on all facets of of the game. Um, and and look, here's the thing you got to do from it is you, you don't just chalk it up and say, ah, it was a bad day, move on. Uh, you you got to learn from it. You got to yeah. grow from it, and you got to you got to self. You got to be self-aware. You got to self-scout. You got to you got to dive into a bunch of stuff, and and you got to see how your leadership on this team responds, and the leadership in the program responds. Doesn't mean the sky's falling, and that everybody gets a pink slip, and you put moving vans out at everybody's house, and and tell them to pull their kids out of school and and get out of town. No, nobody's saying that. I'm not suggesting that or anything like that. But you you got to you got to continue to look at. I mean, what happened yesterday? Because that was. The South Carolina loss a year ago was more impactful, okay, because of where you were, what was on the line. Yes, I know technically the Eastern Division was on the line, but none of us thought Ole Miss was going to have a chance to win in Athens, Georgia last night. They didn't. Um, the, the college football playoff was on the line a year ago in Columbia, South Carolina. Offensively, you put up almost 600 yards of offense at South Carolina. Um, this one yesterday was complete in all facets. Because I'm gonna tell you, you, you got to struggle. It's a struggle to to find a group that played well, or even an individual that played well. I mean, Jackson Ross punted the ball well. There were a couple of flashes from a guy here and there, but in terms of saying, "Man, that guy played really well," or "He played well," um, there's not any of that in in this game. And so, you, you got to learn from it. You got to move on. The leadership of this team's got to rally and get ready to go play again. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing for this week. Uh, we're going to get to it in a moment. And actually, let's just go ahead and get to it right now because it's a great segue. Our guy Donovan, thank you so much for the super chat. He said pride should be the word of the week, and I couldn't agree more. Um, because again, you're, you're you're playing. You know, for people have asked me today, like you know, what's what's there left to play for for Tennessee? Well, uh, you know, the, the basis of it, you're still playing to put yourself on tape and go play in the NFL. Number one, that's self motivation. Number two, you're playing for a better bowl game. But you want to finish the right way. Josh Hopple spoke last night about the team, how it didn't finish the game the right way. Uh, what more motivation do you need than play at home in front of a great atmosphere against Georgia, the number one ranked team in the country, and to play spoilers? I think a lot of that goes into this week, and a lot of that is pride. And Donovan says, hey, Vols 34, Dogs 27, season's not over, 9-3. and three. So any way you want to look at it, you got a huge week coming up, and you can't sit around and feel sorry for yourself. Like you said, check the tape, learn from it move on because I'll tell you what, Brent, Georgia is not feeling sorry for Tennessee whatsoever today. Well, I, I, a couple of things here, Donovan would appreciate it. There's a bunch of questions that, that we're going to get to, obviously, but I, there's a couple of things I have here. One, um, you got some real issues from a competitive spirit. If, if you got a bunch of team, guys who are just going to mail it in and they're done. Yep. Okay? I mean, you, you know, you got guys who are trying to decide what to do with their COVID year. You got guys who are thinking about the next level. Um, you know, this is not a bowl game. This is not a mail it in deal. This is a game at home, you know, um, where you got to, you know, you're going to have a, a crowd that should be there ready to go. And you know, if you got competitiveness in you, you, you should be ready to play here. Okay. I mean, if, if you don't, then you got some bigger issues to fix, right? If you can't handle the adversity from last week at Missouri, 
uh, and put it behind you and go get ready to play Georgia, then then I got a lot of questions about where your competitive spirit is as a player. Here's my question to you, because I, I I wasn't in the postgame press conference. I watched it. I, I didn't quite grasp the Josh Heupel frustration with the way his team finished. Was he talking about the last drive? Was he talking about the whole fourth quarter? I, I didn't quite – I mean, we were talking about the pick six. I mean, what did he mean? Because it sounded like he almost was implying his team kind of quit, mailed it in and to go to the house. I don't know if that's what he meant. So what was the context there, Eric? I, I felt like, again, he, he was that was in the middle of an answer, and he kind of said that towards the end. I felt like it was just the sloppiness, the, the Javonta Spragans penalty there at the end out of frustration, um, not executing when he got in the red zone. The pick six, again, I know that's not the last drive, but that's the last quarter. Really the last five, six minutes of the ball game where and it was 22-7, to seven, then blink of an eye, it's 36-7. to seven. Okay. And, and you weren't winning that game, but boy, you, you didn't you didn't end it with any with any type of momentum whatsoever. So that's kind of how I took okay. it. I was just curious. I, I didn't I didn't completely grasp the context the context. If you just meant the last drive or if you meant you know, just the fact that the game got away from them the way that it did um at, at that point that that's kind of what i was was curious about so i i would i was thanks for clearing that up for me because i didn't know exactly what he meant we move on we got a ton of questions and, and we're kind of talking about not finishing the right way offensively it was the worst output in terms of t- point wise for josh hopple at tennessee seven points previously it was 13 last year to georgia robert chimes in with a, a super chat here Question, Joe isn't capable of playing Coach H's offense, so it's very watered down. Uh, he's not seeing the field when making reads. Is it too much to ask to move forward with Nico? And here's a question because we're, we've gotten it a couple of times already today. As the week goes on, getting to Atlanta, it's off the table officially now. So the question is, and we kind of talked about it a moment ago, but like, what, what else is left to play for? A lot of people would say, well, look to the future, play some young guys, and of course Nico's in that conversation. My response is, I don't believe that's going to happen against the number one ranked Bulldogs at home. <laughs> I, I don't think that's going to happen whatsoever. Uh, but for the people saying, well, look to the future, let Nico get some reps, kind of what's your answer to that? Well, I think it has to be in the conversation. I mean, I think it has to be in, in the thought process that, that you look at moving forward, whether it's this game or you know the Vanderbilt game to end the season and then obviously a bowl game as well. I mean, I, I do think that that's something – um, that 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 you can you know have a conversation about. I mean, would it would have hurt, would it have hurt to put him in the last drive at Missouri yesterday? I, I don't think so. Now, I, I'll say this: I don't know that those snaps make or break. You know what he's going to be able to do next year in this offense, or not do next year in this offense. But at the same time, too, I, I mean, any rep is a good rep. Um, if, if you're playing, you know, if you're doing anything other than just handing it off. So I think there's a balance there. I, you know, the, the people who are saying, hey, tell Joe basically to pack up and go to the house. Well, it's the Nico, it's Nico time. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that should happen at this point. Should you potentially have a plan here um, down the stretch of this season, whether it's this week or whether it's Vanderbilt and the bowl game to, to, to try to maybe work Nico in? And and get him some a series here and there. I don't have a problem with that. Same way with Addison Nichols on the offensive line. I wouldn't have a problem with with that being the case. Um, you know, so you know, I, I get that question. I, I just don't think you turn him loose um, against the Georgia defense that's really good, and and just say, hey, figure it out, kid. I, I don't I don't think that's the direction you go right now. Yeah, I would agree. I said it on a podcast I recorded earlier today. Like, I would work him in at Vanderbilt no matter what. Uh, mm-hmm. That does not mean he's starting. That does not mean he's getting 50% of the snaps. But you, know, you go in script plays. Hey, third offensive series, Addison Nichols, left guard, Nico, quarterback. Because, again, it's it's the last game of the regular season. Um, you're still playing to win. And you're playing to get uh, another win. Of course, you don't want to give the game away. But I think that would be a great opportunity. So that's kind of how I've looked at the Nico situation. I, I could be completely wrong, but I would be – 100% shocked if Nico gets extended playing time against Georgia, the number one ranked team in the country at home on CBS this week. That's just kind of the way I view it. Well, if, that, if that's happened, Tennessee's had a really bad day probably. Yeah. You know, or, or Joe's been banged up, I, I think is, is the case if that's happening. Uh, let's go here to a tournament bracket. What's the problem with the road woes? Is the staff not preparing right during the week? Um, Another situation where I didn't think the environment, you didn't see a lot of pre-snap penalties, stuff like that. It wasn't that. But you look back at every game on the road with the exception of um, 
uh, really the the first half at Alabama and of course Kentucky. This team's just not been playing well and playing efficient on the road. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys are coaches, are creatures of habits, players are creatures of habits. Your your schedule changes up when you're on the road. I recognize that, but good teams know how to win on the road, and this team has not won consistently on the road really since prior to November of 2022. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where you look at this particular team. I think they've had a hard time uh, overcoming some adversity and, and and kind of stopping the run. Um, I, I noted this in, in 10 things I, I think I learned today. I mean, when you look at it, it's the number of unanswered points on the road that's, that's mind-boggling, right? I mean, you got Florida runs off four straight touchdowns. I mean, offensively, you got to stop the run, right? It's kind of like you know, basketball, you got to make a basket or you, you got to get a defensive stop to kind of stop the run. Uh, they couldn't stop it in the second half against Alabama. Uh, they got to, you know, I don't think Tennessee handled what happened to them at the start of the second half at Alabama uh, as a team and as a staff very well at all. Okay. They, they gave up the two big plays and all of a sudden blink. There's a touchdown on the board, right? It's a one score game. Then you have the bizarre uh, fair catch signal call i think that rattled everybody on the sideline right so you don't make a first down there you punt it you get the ball back i guess you hold them to a field goal then you get the ball back and you go for it in your own territory on fourth and one there was some panic stuff going on there right i mean it, it went against you and the adversity hit and you allowed one mistake to become two to become four to become eight and the game's kind of out of control on you um you know, I think Florida second half adjustments defensively were good. I think it too, took too long to get there in the in the first half, uh, and, and offensively that was a struggle there because Florida was good uh, up front, um, and, and Tennessee, you know, had a hard time moving those guys uh, up front. They played the the run, you know, really well there. Yesterday was different though, because it wasn't. I mean, I guess the fumble at the end of the first half, you can say Tennessee didn't recover from the, the Jalen Wright fumble. Tennessee was not playing well prior to that play. I mean, you don't you, you don't give up 20 play 10 minute drives, you know, in, in the first quarter of a football game. But yet they had a chance to kind of survive how bad they were playing and get to the half um and and get, you know, with the lead or with the game tied. Then you just had that disastrous sequence. That's the worst middle eight Josh Heupel's team has played since since they've been at Tennessee. Yeah. Um, to fumble it there, which is not his fault, but to fumble it there, then to come back into defensively, give up the long run, to give up three. I mean, that's the greatest theft of three points that we've seen in a 40 second span against Tennessee. It wasn't and even it, a theft. I mean, it was it was a gift wrap. I mean, yeah. it was tw 20 seconds on the clock. You let a 35 yard run, a 10 yard run, a 10 yard pass play. And you booted through. I mean, that was gift wrapped by Tennessee. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Well, and I don't have a problem with the defense Tennessee was in. I have a problem with the angles they took to try to stop the run on the 35 yard run. I mean, you know, you got to react to that better and you got to have better angles and, and, and play better there. Then the most disappointing thing to me was you go in a locker room and it's 13 seven. Okay. You played bad. You get the ball to start the second half and you can, you can turn the tide, right? Mm -hmm. You can get it going. And that, that that whole sequence to start the second half offensively, I mean, you had the bad, you know, the 90-mile-an-hour pitch into Jalen Wright on the option play, which wasn't going anywhere to begin with. Um, you just didn't didn't seem like you had any kind of real answer to what they were doing to you uh, defensively, what their defense was doing. And then your defense wasn't any different in the second half than it was in the first half in terms of stopping the run. So th that whole sequence was really, really disappointing, and that was the ball game there. I will come back, continue to answer all of your questions right here as we continue on with the Rocky Top Rewind. I do want to tell you about our friends, Spivey King and Spivey LLP. If you've got a problem, let them find a solution for you. That is TN Trial Lawyers. They specialize in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury. The firm has got a vast amount of trial experience, been in place for over 80 years with this specific partnership uh, since 2012. They are energized and ready for each of today's modern legal demands. They practice primarily in Northeast Tennessee in the Tri-Cities of Sullivan County, as well as Hawkins County, Washington County, and surrounding areas. The firm has won multiple awards with attorneys who are rated by super lawyers as well, so you know the quality that you're getting when you check out Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Whether you're injured in a car accident, need a divorce, held with custody of your children, or have been accused of a crime, Spivey King and Spivey LLP is here to help you. And you can get a free consultation by giving a call today at 423-245-4185. 
That is 423-245-4185. Or visit them online at spiveykingandspiveylp.com. The Rocky Top Rewind will return here in a moment. It is presented by our friends at Spivey King and Spivey. LOP. We welcome you back here to the Rocky Top Rewind on a Sunday night, live from 8 to 9 o'clock on the VolQuest YouTube channel. Appreciate you guys for being here as we answer all of your questions and we look back to what was Tennessee's loss at Missouri. Uh, we'll continue on with your questions. Let's go to Austin. Austin says Elijah Herring had probably his worst game of the season. Uh, death is an issue there, of course, with Keenan Peely out. Could they look at anybody else at, at that position? Uh, Brent, Jeremiah T. Lander got 22 snaps yesterday. Arian Carter, of course, is going to miss the remainder of the season. Austin Price reported that after the game last night. Not a whole lot of options at linebacker right now, but to Austin's point, not a good day for the linebackers, not only Elijah Herring. No, it, it, I mean, it wasn't. And uh, I don't know that – I mean, there's not really anybody else there to, to take a look at. I mean, yeah. they're playing – I mean, he played Caleb Perry. I don't know how many snaps he had. I don't know if you got it right in front of you. But he played um, He played quite a bit in the game. Beasley played. Um, they basically played every – Every scholarship linebacker they have but one played in the game yesterday, um, and, and he's going to redshirt. So I don't. There's not any other options out there to to say right now. Yeah, Caleb Perry played 12 snaps, and Elijah Herring played. I want to say 44 snaps, but T. Lander played 22 snaps. So yeah. again, it's a it's a position that really hurts. No pun intended. When um when Keenan Peely went down with his injury, uh, let's go to. Let's go to Michael. You spoke on this a moment ago, but it looks like an older football team, but they really seem to struggle when hit with adversity. And this is something I talked to Austin about on the on the mini pod last night. You know, Tennessee's not lost a lot the last two years under Josh Heupel, but when it does, man, it's just like it unravels and it's really bad at the end, or you're totally just outmatched in one phase of the game where it's not like you have a, a chance at all. I mean, think about it. The way the Alabama game ended, the way the second quarter happened at Florida. Um, the way nothing went well for you in this football game. It, it, it's kind of weird. It's like whenever something happens adversity, this team has a hard time striking back from that. And Michael's asking about that guy. Why is that, do you think, with the, with this team? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. Um, mental makeup of, of some guys. Um, you know, mentality. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't – I mean, I, I – I, I don't have a good answer for it, but I, I don't disagree with what Michael's saying. I mean, I think particularly on the road and when you don't have the crowd behind you and some of those things, I mean, you, you just don't, you know, you don't seem to be able to find a way, um, you know, to kind of muster up the juice to, to get you a, a stop that you need or whatever. I mean, you go back to, go back to A&M, they throw an interception in the end zone. Tennessee does, right? And it looks, doesn't look real good there. They, they miss on a fourth down play and Tennessee defensively finds a way to get a stop. You know, then they play field position, they, and and the crowd kind of gives them the, the, the juice a little bit and, and kind of helps them through. Uh, maybe that's why they're better at home than, than they are on the road. I, I don't I don't have an answer for it, but I don't disagree with it at all. I think Tennessee, when something bad happens, particularly away from Neyland Stadium, I, I don't think Tennessee plays uh, particularly well at all. And this is a good point here from Donovan. He said he thinks Josh Hopple 6-7 and seven on the road to Tennessee. I would need to go look that up. And don't think Tennessee's won a game with trailing more than 11 points in the Hypel era. Again, I'll, I'll have to go look that up. But you would think that with this offense, it, it's easier to come back. Now, in those specific games, there's a reason you're in a hole, right? I mean, you, you either turn the football over or you weren't finding much success offensively, sustaining drives. But the way this offense is built, typically you would think that it would be easier to play catch up. Um, and sometimes that's not often the case. I mean, yesterday there was no catching up because Tennessee just couldn't find a rhythm whatsoever. And then defensively, you couldn't stop Schrader. You couldn't stop Cook. Even when you thought you had Cook bottled up in his own end zone on third down, he found a way to squirt through and get 22 yards. His legs, we knew going into the game, was going to be a huge factor. Um, Tennessee did not manage that very well. And then Cody Schrader had the game of his life, over 300 yards of total offense. So it, it just kind of feels like, at least with yesterday, there was – there was nothing to kind of come back with because you couldn't find a rhythm on either side of the football. Well, and, and I think when you look at this in, from, in a totality standpoint, you go back to year number one. Okay, yeah, they're down by eleven. They they didn't have enough. They didn't have enough in the tank to to compete with some of those guys, right? Okay, so you got down by eleven at Alabama. Well, guess what? You weren't coming back, right? You got down by eleven against Georgia. Well, you weren't coming back because you didn't have enough things to come back from. I look at it from. Uh, I look at it this year is how I look at how I look at that. Right. Um, 
And, and that's the concern. I mean, Florida, you still had a chance coming out of the locker room to start the second half. You didn't go out and execute. When, you, when the pressure was on you to go score right there to start the second half against Florida, and again, what's the common theme between Florida and um, and Missouri? It's the middle eight, right? Tennessee yeah. had the ball late in the first half against Florida, couldn't score. Then they come out the second half, can't get they get a field goal instead of a touchdown, right? They can't finish the drive there. Um, Alabama, they Alabama comes out and scores there. It's that stretch where Tennessee hasn't played well. Missouri obviously took care of the middle eight yesterday, so. Um, yeah, I mean, you would think, but this is not this is not the most explosive offense in the world. I mean, that's just what it is. I mean, listen, think about the deep ball plays, right? Squirrel White makes a heck of a catch at Alabama for a touchdown. Squirrel White makes a heck of a catch against South Carolina for a deep ball to set up a touchdown. Uh, Dante Thornton's catch yesterday was really, really uh, an incredible catch. I mean, you had Ramel Keaton against UConn running wide open. Chaz Nimrod got wide open against Kentucky but you just haven't had really those kinds of plays against good defenses this year. Um, that's just, that's the bottom line. I mean, this, this offense is not built to, to, to score a ton of points right now with where they are offensively. And, and I think it's a lot of that starts with Joe and starts at the quarterback position. He's not been awful, uh, but, but he's not been anywhere near where Hendon Hooker was a year ago. And you knew there would be a step back there. No. It's probably been a greater step in the passing game than any of us thought it would be. And that's not all on Joe. That includes the receivers in there as well. What did you think of that touchdown to uh, to Dante Thornton? Well, for Dante Thornton, have you heard anything about injury-wise today and his throw, one of the one of the few plays you can look back on and say that was a positive for Tennessee. What an adjustment. I didn't think it was a horrible throw. Okay. He gave he gave your he gave your guy a chance to go make a play. Dante Thornton went and made a play. The adjustment was really beautiful to watch. He was like he was playing basketball, got in front. I hear Jason Swain talk about it all the time. He stacked that defensive bag, got in front of him and the ball, and went and made that catch. That was a really, really nice play. But Dante Thornton, the touchdown catch, and then Dante Thornton, his injury. Uh, Injury-wise, I don't know. Uh, he left on crutches in a walking boot. Certainly didn't look good uh, when, when he left. So, I, no. I mean, I would not anticipate him being available this week. Um for sure, and I think that probably the bowl game would probably be more likely for where he's at. But we'll see, um, you know, how he heals and exactly what all the injury is and the details of it. When he first kind of grabbed at his hip, it looked like in the end zone, and then he ends up in a walking boot with the ankle. So we'll see kind of what that looks like. Um, but I, I would not anticipate him being able to play. Bottom line is, I mean, he went and made a play vertically down the field. He had six had six catches a year ago at Oregon of over 20 yards. I mean, he's an outside vertical threat, uh, which has caused many people to wonder, well, how come it took you three quarters of a year to get him outside? Um, because he's, he's just clearly not comfortable inside at the slot position. Um, that was a football play. He went and made a play and tracked the ball and um, got on the inside of the DB where the DB was going to either interfere with him or um, he was going to make a heck of a catch and, and Thornton, you know, did a really terrific job of getting the ball underneath him. It was, it was the highlight of the day for Tennessee. It was, uh, unfortunately that was again, just one, one highlight in the football game. Uh, go, go balls deep four, two, three. I think this was a question. It might've been from you on the, um, on the board earlier today. And I, I tried to do a good job uh, answering it, but I want to get your thoughts on this, Brent. The question is, is the 4-2-5 the only defense Tennessee runs? I would like to see what happens if Tennessee goes 3-3-5 or 5-2 just to see what happens. I think the best way to answer that is, long gone are the days of, I'm a 4-3 defensive coach. I'm a 3-4 defensive coach. And it's been a real long time when you said, I'm a five-man I'm a five -man front defensive coach. Um, you've got to be versatile. Defenses have to adapt and be able to play in space with how offenses are, are, are going in the game right now. That's why the four two five kind of gives you a look. Five defensive backs, you have that star position. I mean, I call high school football every single week. The four two five is is everywhere at the college level, in the NFL, at the high school level. Now, in that base, you can go and, and run different coverages. You can go and, and um, you know run different twists and turns. And, and then you can go out there and run a five-man front at, at points in time. Tennessee runs a five-man front and, and third and short sometimes. You can go and run and move some guys around. You can evolve off that base four two five, but the four two five just kind of gives you a versatility. But more importantly, it gives you another defensive back back there to go and run with all these wide receivers right now. Well, what you're hoping that the four two five does is the four two five gives you your best eleven athletes on the field, um, you know, that can play in space because it's such a space game. Now, 
that your, your five in the back end have to be a combination of guys who can play downhill and tackle, particularly at the star position. Um, and it's a safety spot, but they've also got to be well enough to run, you know, in, in open space. And, um, you know, I, I don't think you just go out and say, Hey, we're suddenly going to become a three, three. I mean, you got to recruit differently. If you're going to recruit, if you're going to have a three, three, five, um, nobody's going to play a five, two, um, not consistently. You, as you mentioned, short yardage, you might get in that, but nobody's going to line up and play in that. But, but if you're playing a three, three, five, you've got to be a, you got to be a different, you got to be a different type of animal that way, right? Now, a lot of people in a three-three-five or what they can be a three-three-five, and and they they walk a fourth guy up, right? Now, we've seen a couple times this year where Tennessee Eric has been in a quote four-two-five, and they have dropped James Pierce and ended up in a three-three-five is what they've they've done. So you just have to be multiple, and, and it depends on what your team is playing. The one thing that surprised me yesterday, Eric, when I went back and watched it. Luther Burden was not close to 100%. Um, Tennessee, for whatever reason, appeared to go into this game convinced that they could handle their run game, the the, the Missouri run game, straight up with, with their front seven um, and play that way. And they dropped their safeties back, and, and they were playing not to give the ball thrown over their head. And as a result of that, I mean, Missouri – created a lot of gaps in, in in the run game. And it's a little bit like what they did in Florida. Now they came out in the second half against Florida and they brought their safeties more downhill into the box and, and kind of challenged Florida to throw it over their head. I'm not, I'm a little surprised they were so concerned about Missouri and the big play over top of them um, for as long as they were. Um, Cause I would have thought at some point they would have said, you know what, let's see if we can make somebody besides Schrader beat us and let's, Let's adjust out of that and, and get the safeties more involved and, and and play a little more man on the outside and say, hey, if you throw it over, you throw it over. So they just didn't do a whole lot of that, which surprised me. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee's kryptonite's been the underneath stuff. It, it was well, in Florida. It was on Saturday. I mean, Brady Cook was three years. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Cook was good, good yesterday or the other day, but I mean, he was really, really good on the underneath stuff because Tennessee was letting him have it and tr- trying to corral and go make some tackles. And then as far as Schrader. Uh, Knew that outside zone was going to be an issue, um, and, and I think you wrote about it in your ten things. I mean, Tennessee was going east west, was yeah. not going north south. And when you're going east, when when you're on skates as a defensive lineman, I mean, you're done. And, and those linebackers and the star players trying to over pursue and trying to go make a play, but you got to, I mean, you got to keep your gap. That, that's what creates creases is when you over pursue, and you saw a lot of that yesterday as well. And just, just, uh, just not a, not, not a very good day defensively whatsoever. It's really hard for a defensive lineman to hold his leverage when, when he's going sideways because no. he does he just doesn't have the base to go with it. And and Rodney Garner's defensive line is all about playing vertical, and they were not they were not playing vertical yesterday. They they were going they were playing too much lateral uh, against that stretch play, and um, Missouri runs it really really well, and uh, that's why that guy leads the SEC in rushing. And after seeing him yesterday. I understand that he's a high-volume guy, high-volume carry, I, so that's part of the reason why he leaves it. But, boy, he does a nice job kind of hunting and pecking and ducking and diving and, and getting four or five yards. Um, he is a hard guy to to create zero or negative yards with. Yes, and, and there were holding. There were plenty of holdings that were not called. Tyler Barron getting you know around the neck every single game now, and it's not called. But they're just not calling holding in college football this year. Uh, there's not reason why Tennessee got ran all over for 205 yards from one guy. It just, it, it's just, it's not holding. Uh, we'll come back. Greg well, Ramey's going to join the show. Well, here's the thing. Now, some people would say that would disagree with you because Tennessee got called for three holds yesterday. Um, in, in the, in the game, they're calling holding in space in open areas. They're not calling a lot of between the tackle type yeah. quarters holding stuff. It's gotta be really obvious and they're missing a lot. Okay. And, and I'm not going to sit here and blame, officiating for yesterday because that's not what cost Tennessee that game but Tennessee's got to do a better job getting their hands off people you know and and not getting not getting corralled up about that uh, you know with that stuff but I mean there's look James Pierce is going to get chipped until he shows that he can deal with the chip and people are going to hold until somebody calls a holding penalty and right now they're not calling many of those unless you're Tennessee it seems like they get two or three every game Grant Ramey is going to join the show. We'll get his take on what happened in Missouri yesterday. Plus, Tennessee, a big win at Wisconsin on Friday night as basketball season is officially here. 
plus more of your questions as we continue on until 9 o'clock here on the VolQuest YouTube channel. It is the Rocky Top Rewind. Do want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry about buying tickets to your next big event, whether that's a sporting event at Neyland Stadium, Lindsey Nelson Stadium, what about Thompson Bowling Arena at the Food City Center? We know men's basketball, lady balls, volleyball, that type of stuff. But also, you got monster truck rallies there. You've got concerts all the time. I mean, that that facility hosts events year-round. And you can get tickets to all those events, not just basketball and volleyball, but to the concerts and everything else by going to game time. It's the last-minute tickets, flash deals. You got zone deals as well. Plus, they have the lowest price guarantee. They have event cancellation protection, plus job loss protection as well. Uh, game time has the deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, even an hour after it starts. It is the place to find the last minute seats. Download the game time app today, create an account, and use the promo code VOLS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, I encourage you to create an account, use the redeem code at game, gamequest.com or on the app. That redeem code is VOLS, V O L S, for $20 off. Download game time today, last minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back into the Rocky Top Rewind. I am Eric Kane. Brent Hubs is with me. And now we add in Grant Ramey trying to uh, liven up the spirits a little bit here. Of course, it was a it was a rough football game, but Tennessee basketball picked up a massive win Friday night at Wisconsin. Grant Ramey, what a win to begin the season. If you're calling me to lift spirits, uh, we're in a bad place. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> I weird. mean, yeah, it was it, it was kind of a continuation of, of what we've seen from this basketball team. I don't think they've trailed yet at this point through two exhibition games and two regular season games, which is kind of crazy to think about. But, you know, they've played that well offensively. They've played that well defensively uh, to go wire to wire at the Cole Center in Madison and to kind of handle your business the way they did. They started pretty well, played pretty well throughout the first half, kind of withstood some Wisconsin runs and they just kind of so far they've just handled their business in a very business-like manner I mean Dalton Connect continues to to be the star Josiah Jordan James has been a lot better with Dalton Connect uh, added to the mix I think it allows Josiah to just be Josiah and not try to be Dalton Connect and be that explosive productive kind of scorer um, that he struggled to be a little bit I think it feels a little bit more natural to him and, and they've just kind of settled in and, and played really good basketball. I mean, they're still ranked number one defensively in the Kimpom rings and they're number 20 on offense. So they've, they've increased their offensive efficiency without sacrificing anything on the defensive end. So uh, from what we've seen, they've been really impressive. Grant, you know, the one thing that steps out, stands out to me and they, you know, they had the exhibition game in Michigan state without their two veteran backcourt guys. But, but we were talking about this earlier in, in the show about the Tennessee football team and kind of, how you got to handle adversity. You got to withstand a run, right? You got to you got to answer the bell when a team scores on you or something goes against you. This basketball team has been able to do that despite not always having their most veteran guys on the court. What what do you what do you liken that to? What what's the reasoning for why they could do that? Cuz I thought that was impressive. Okay, the exhibition game, fouls don't count, all that kind of stuff. But I mean that there was a couple right. of moments in the second half in Madison where that thing could have got really really wild and woolly, but every time Tennessee, they got, Wisconsin got close, Tennessee was able to make a play. Why do you think this team's been able to do that? Uh, I think Don Connect's a big reason why, because it seems like the bigger the moment, the bigger shot he's looking for, and he hits. Uh, I mean, he got down to three, I think, in the second half, and he had that really crazy baseline drive and finished through, uh, finishes through contact and, and makes it and one. Uh, and gets it back to six, then Tobey Walker scores two big paint buckets to get it to ten, and, and after that, they're kind of rolling, but it feels like they just had that big time shot in that big time moment, whether it's Dalton or somebody else, Jordan Ganey coming off the bench and providing really instant offense when he's checked in. He's been a really good sixth man in the first half uh, from what we've seen from Tennessee so far. I, I mean, that was basically the question I was asking Friday night in Madison is not only are you doing it and you're answering the adversity, but you're doing it so early in the season. I mean, to go to Michigan State and do that in October and to go to Wisconsin and do that you know, two weeks before Thanksgiving. That's really, really early in the season. And it's really tough in college basketball when you're on the road, when you're in a hostile environment and the floor is, you know, 
all the momentum's on the other side of the court. It's tough to answer the bell. And the way they've been able to do it, and it just feels like they've just handled it in stride. Um, I think it's because they're veterans. I think it's because they've added some a couple good players out of the portal, uh, and it's kind of all clicked so far. Got a couple of things here from Donovan. Donovan says, um, you know, Barnes has a closer in Dalton Connect, a guy that can shoot the three and drive to the basket. Also says, Toby Walker rebounding is going to be a key factor for Tennessee. He should average 10 rebounds a game. Is that a number? I mean, I don't think the minutes would, would uh, warrant that, at least right now. That'll evolve as the year goes on. But obviously, Dalton Connect's huge. But how big should Toby Walker be for this team moving forward? I thought Tobey played really well uh, at Wisconsin. I thought he had two huge buckets in the paint. Uh, I don't know that that's always the, uh, the shots that you want taken in that moment. It was great that he scored them, and, and you know, he had some nice uh, moves in the post to, to get those shots off, uh, and they were big. But, yeah, he needs to be the rebounder that, that he's shown that he can be at times. I don't know about 10, but it needs to be a number that's up there. Uh, the thing with Tobey, it's going to be more limited opportunities because I think they're better playing small with Josiah at the four and either Tobey or Jonas on the floor at the five, not those two on the floor together. So that might limit the, the minutes a little bit more. But, yeah, uh, with Dalton in terms of being a closer, just some of the shots he takes. So, I mean, he takes over basically in the final eight minutes at Wisconsin and, and kind of puts the team on his back. It's basically get Dalton the ball and everybody else get out of the way. So for him, that early – and what Rick keeps saying is he's still learning. He's still learning defensively. He's still learning a bunch of stuff. I mean, he's only been here a few months. If this is the version of the guy that we've seen and he's still learning – uh, his ceiling seems pretty, pretty high. All right, we, we'll get to more of Donovan's questions, but I want to ask you a little bit more about Dalton there. Um, w- obviously, players know other players can play, right? So, I mean, everybody in the locker room knows that the right. guy can play. But what does it say about his immersion into the culture at Tennessee and their immersion with him that we're pre-Thanksgiving and he's the guy that, you're running a clear out for and Rick's telling him, Hey, go get a bucket. Rick Barnes is saying, Hey, go get me a bucket right here. I I mean, that's a pretty, I know the portals, that's what the portal's supposed to do grant, but to do it this early seems pretty incredible to me. Am I, am I making too big of a deal out of that? No, I think it speaks to the culture that that Tennessee basketball has and has had for uh, a long time now under Rick Barnes. I think it's the the way this roster is built, the success they had the last couple seasons. They want to plug somebody in and keep winning basketball games. And that's what they've been able to do with Dalton. I think with Dalton, too, I mean, his story is pretty crazy. To to score it the way he did in high school and not really have any offers, to go to JUCO, uh, to go to Northern Colorado, now to go to Tennessee, and, and he's scored at every single level. And it feels like he's been doubted at every single level and kind of been overlooked. And credit Tennessee's, Tennessee's coaching staff to finding this guy and getting him on campus and, and closing the deal when they did get him on campus. And, yeah, I think it's a testament to this Tennessee basketball team that they don't care who does it. They don't care who gets the credit for it. They just want to win basketball games. And right now they're they're playing really well. I mean, I'm just amazed that he's been able to score in the variety of ways that, that he – I mean, look, scorers know how to score. I get that. But it's a three. It's a drive to the hoop and a foul. It, it's – you know, it's pinning a guy low and posting him up with a turnaround. It's a 15-foot jumper. It's like, the to me, the scouting book on him would be really hard because he's scored in so many ways already in just a handful of games at Tennessee. I mean, it's, it's almost like pick your poison because it, it felt like at times in the second half at Wisconsin he was forcing stuff, uh, and, it, and it was a little bit of a struggle, and then he just turns it on the final eight minutes and he finds a way to hit big shots. And and what he's done so far, he's averaging 20 a game. He's only three for 10 from the three-point line, and his three-point shot is probably one of his biggest strengths. Um, and, and he can attack the way he can attack and get to the rim, the way we've seen it, the way he did on the baseline there, uh, just the way he can back people down like you're talking about, just straight up like a four or five, just back to the basket, old-school kind of big man uh, basketball. That's been really impressive. And Another thing with Dalton is, you know, kind of it played out Friday night. Once Josiah Dalton's in the corner, Josiah's driving to the rim, and the Wisconsin defense can't collapse on Josiah because they got to respect Dalton in the corner on that three-point shot, and, and Josiah just backs down and scores right there. So it's not only all the different ways that Dalton can score, but it's the respect that defenses have to give him that opens up other opportunities for for his teammates. And I think we've seen that so far. How could this offensive look change, or, or how will it be different? When Santi gets going, when Zakai works himself back into you know playing 25 minutes a game, how can this change? Because you're doing all this right now, and I know it's just two games, but it's been a really good start for Dalton Connect. You're doing this without Santi and, and, and Zakai really being a factor in terms of scoring the basketball. 
Yeah, I mean, if it's not uh, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But you're going to get those two involved. And and, and Sakai has, has struggled with his shot so far since he's got back. He's he's played a little bit. He played more minutes at Wisconsin than he did against Tennessee Tech earlier uh, last week. Santi Santi feels like a guy who you know everybody kind of rolls their eyes at exhibition games, but you kind of need that that to kind of I don't know fit in the rotation or, or you've played your teammates all summer in basically split squad stuff on the practice court. Now you got to get all this team together and figure out where everybody fits and get the pieces together. It feels like he's still knocking the rust off. And he's a guy, I mean, at points last season, the entire offense was, can we get Santi a three-point look and can he hit it? And now it feels like Santi's going to be able to get his shots off a lot easier because they got other options. They're deeper. They got Ganey. They got they got Connect. They got Josiah scoring at a better rate right now than he did last year. So it feels like, if anything, this offense should just get better because two of their best players, Zakai and Santi, haven't been themselves so far, and they're still working their way back to being themselves. So uh, it should only get better in theory. Uh, we'll wait and see what happens. All right, so Grant, how does the rotation look like for this basketball team when they get all the parts back up to, to, to full speed, right? When, when when you get all the rust knocked off Santi and you, you get Zakai back going, I mean, what, how do you rotate this thing? How, how does this thing play out? Is it hot hand guy gets more minutes as the game goes and you go in with set rotations? How do you do this thing? Uh, I think Dalton's going to play 35, 36 minutes a night, and you figure out the rest from there. I mean, Jordan Ganey's going to be your sixth man. Zakai's going to play his minutes. Santi's going to get his minutes. I think what we saw at Wisconsin is Cade Phillips is a little bit ahead of schedule, probably ahead of J.P. Estrella, probably ahead of Cam Carr, uh, some of those guys on the end of the bench because of the minutes he got at Wisconsin. Uh, Freddie DeLeon's a guy that's got to do work, in my opinion. Uh, he's a guy that's, you know, he's kind of uh, – they didn't start him in the exhibition games, I think, to kind of send a message like you got to work harder, you got to do a little bit more to be part of this rotation and, and get your minutes. And then he played maybe four or five minutes at Wisconsin Friday night in the first half. I think he was a minus four. We didn't see him in the second half. So he's got to do more. Uh, he's, he's a guy that I'm trying to figure out where he's going to fit in on the rotation. But Ganey's played well. You know, Santi and Zakai are going to get back to being themselves eventually. Josiah, Tobe, Jonas – um, we'll see Jemai. Um, I don't think Cam Carr, I don't think uh, JP Estrella play big time minutes or, or are meaningful minutes in big time games, I should say. I mean, you start counting and you're running out of fingers, right? <laughs> I mean, you, you start right. counting. I mean, the, the, if they all stay healthy, that's going to be the interesting challenge for the, for this team is just how all of that plays off of itself and can everybody be good with it all. Um, and I think the culture says that they can, but how they all handle that and, and how Rick Barnes handled that's going to be really fun to watch. It's a good problem to have, is what I'm saying. You know, you know what it's like. It's it's a uh, it's Ernest it's Ernest T learning math, and, and and that's why Rick's stomping his feet over on the bench trying to count to fifty. Twenty five and twenty five equals fifty. Is exactly what's going on there. <laughs> Answer this question here: Is it harder to win it all in baseball, basketball, or football right now? Uh, right now, Tennessee. Well, just right I, now, Tennessee I think it's just in general. I mean, get... how I, I, which sport is more difficult to win a championship in? I mean, I think I'm biased because I follow college basketball closer than I follow football and, and baseball. I think you would say baseball. I think I've heard you say that before. Uh, winning a college world series is uh, probably the hardest title in Europe. I think winning the NCAA tournament is so hard because you got to yeah. win six straight do or die elimination games and basketball, you know, there's a reason they play a five and a seven game series in the NBA playoffs because it's more of a series sport than a one game sport, just like baseball. I mean, to, to have to win six straight, uh, to have to win basically three, four team tournaments in a row, that's really difficult because you got to be playing perfect at the right time of year. You got to get the right matchups. You got to get stuff to fall your way. I mean, look at Tennessee. They've ran into Loyola, Chicago, and FAU on their way to Final Fours. I mean, what are the odds that happens to anybody? Those two kind of teams going to a, on a Final Four run and getting in the way of, of two really good Tennessee basketball teams. So, in my opinion, uh, it's extremely difficult to win the NCAA tournament. That's why I have a lot of respect for the guys, that the coaches that get consistently to Final Fours and have multiple championships. That's, that's crazy to me. All right, Grant. Well, we appreciate it, man. Thanks for uh, hopping on here and, and, and lifting the spirits. I know typically that's not your role, but uh, we did have one more question. If VolQuest, I, I don't know where, oh, here, it's from Donovan. Donovan Donovan's great at questions here. Um, if VolQuest had a basketball team, who is running the point guard? Give us give us your starting five uh, of VolQuesters. Well, there's only five of us, so everybody. Yeah, so so, so uh, give, us, I, give us the position here. 
Uh, I'm not running point because I'm shooting every time I get the ball. Uh, I've been told before from from those that have played pickup basketball with me uh, that I'm a uh, there's never been a anything but a green light in my eyes on any time I have possession. So I would go Eric at the point. Uh, I would go at the two so I could chuck it up a bunch. Um, and, and outside of that, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if Hubs is more of a three. Uh, it's, it's not get Rob down at the five. <laughs> It's AP not. could be the stretch four. I don't know if you. I don't know if you can play basketball on a Peter Millar polo, but we'll see what happens. Put me the two and let me shoot it. So if there's a way, he'll figure it out. Trust Grant, me. Ramey, Grant Ramey, volume shooter, right. ladies right. and gentlemen. That, that's exactly that. That sums yes. it up right here. Volume shooter, Grant Ramey, for sure. Well, Grant, appreciate it, man. Volume, Thanks so much for joining. Volume us. shooter, spirit lifter, Ernest T. Counter. See you, boys. <laughs> Thank you, Johnny Paul. <laughs> All right, get a little, little basketball talk there from uh, Grant Ramey. we got about 15 minutes left, about 12 minutes left. We'll continue on. We'll answer some more of your questions uh, as we continue on here with the Rocky Top Rewind. Uh, Keith has been patient. He's wanting to know about – he's wanting you to expand on your comments. I think you put it on the board earlier this morning uh, about Eli Drinkwood's comments about Tennessee's offensive tendencies. Can you expand on that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly what Eli Drinkwood said. I mean, it might have just been uh, a little gamesmanship. He might not have really been in talking about anything. He gave a shout out to an anal- to an analyst post game and and saying that um, he picked up on some tendencies. He quickly pointed out it wasn't sign stealing, but he picked up on some tendencies that Tennessee goes. At. So I thought maybe he was talking about second down runs. Right? Tennessee's notorious for jumping into that second down run, uh, but they really didn't. They they threw it more on second down in this game. Saturday than they typically do in games. So I didn't see a tendency there. I don't know if there was something that he was seeing in a blocking scheme, um, you know, or, or something like that. I mean, I, I'll ask Josh Heupel about it to see, you know, when you hear a comment like that, how much do you go deep dive and looking through something? Or do you just kind of, you know, go back and do your normal self scout and move on uh, about things and get ready to play Georgia? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, t- Tennessee really creased – kind of creased them on that second drive, second offensive drive they had. Uh, they had a 14-yard run from Jalen Wright. And, and after that, there, there wasn't really anything going on. And and Tennessee didn't run it a whole lot to the tailback. So I'm not sure what run game tendencies that they had there. I, I did think it was an interesting comment. I'm not sure if it means anything other than um, Eli Drinkwitz was just having some fun because he was certainly enjoying the win. As he should be uh, after a win like that. Um, Austin says going eight and four doesn't build on last year's big momentum year. Sky isn't following, but easy schedule with a big opportunity and failed the test. Uh, what's your takeaway moving into 2024? If Tennessee does in fact uh, finish eight and four, that would mean Tennessee's losing to uh, Georgia and then beating uh, Vanderbilt to end the season. If that were to happen, Brent, I mean, here's my take. I, I picked Tennessee to, f- to finish nine and three this season, and I said that that would be a, a really solid year because you were going to take a step back offensively just because of everything you lost. Thought the defense would come around and take a step. And for much of the year, those have kind of been uh, true, those parallels there. I think 8-4, and four, certainly the sky is not falling. I completely agree with Austin here. But I think 8-4, and four, there's a hint of a little disappointment there because, again, Missouri, that was going to be a close game either way. The loss is not shocking. It's the way you lost that game that is shocking to me, just how nothing was going right. You scored seven points. Um, just atrocious football for much of the night. The way you lost Alabama. That 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 is the shocking thing about it. The way losing to Florida when Florida's not a very good football team. So yeah, I mean that all adds up to be potentially eight and four. Again, the sky is not falling, but there's a hint of disappointment in there, in my opinion, because I do think this team is better than that. We've seen it wasn't like this yesterday, obviously, but we've seen how good this team can be a running football team defending the run. Joe Milton has gotten better as the year's gone on. That offensive line has gotten better. So, you know, pass rush has been really good at points and times this year. It's just, it's never really clicked all together at the same time. So I think that's kind of where the disappointment might lie if, if you do indeed finish 8-4. and four. Who knows what can happen? It's football. It's why you play the games. You got Georgia coming to Neyland Stadium. That place is going to be rocking. You expect to win over Vanderbilt. We'll see what happens. Uh, but, but that's kind of how I would view an 8-4 and four season. And, and again, still time to change that narrative because two more games left. Well, I think the takeaway moving into 24 is going to be, can you get your offense back uh, to some semblance of what it was your first couple of years? And I'll listen, uh, last year's offense with Hooker and uh, Jalen Hyatt and where you were, I mean, that that may not – you may not replicate that. If you think that's the standard and the norm, then 
you know, you probably ought to, you probably, you probably ought to slow down your, your expectations a little bit because that was record setting in so many fronts. Um, you know, but it's one of those things where you had some toss-up games, you know, in there. Uh, and Tennessee's going to basically split the toss-up games is what it is. Now, Missouri's a better football team than I thought they would be. Okay, they're better on defense than I anticipated Missouri would be. That um, They've made big strides there, so I, I'll give them credit for that. Uh, the Florida loss was disappointing. Tennessee wasn't close to 100%. I think the loss of Cooper Mays was a big deal there in, in that game. Um, Alabama, Alabama sucks because you, you had a two, you know, you had two score lead and yeah. you, you had opportunities for a bigger lead at the half, but you couldn't finish in the red zone. And, you know, the whole, the lack of, the lack of a holding penalty on that opening drive of the second half is going to eat at you for a long time. Um, they had some bizarre things happen in that one. The disappointment for me, cause you can look at the Alabama game. Well, you should have done this. He went for it twice on fourth down, probably shouldn't have right. Oh, Florida. Okay. Well, you didn't have your center. You know, Elijah Herring's making his first start. Okay, all right, we, we can come up with some things there, right? Um, the problem with this one is ju- just the, the way it went down. This At this point in the season, pretty evenly matched team, and you just didn't – you just played – you just did not play well in any facet of the didn't game. Didn't show up. And, and I think – yeah, I think that's the thing that – that's why that one will eat at you and should eat at you for a while because you just didn't show up. Uh, and, and it's not a hostile place to play. None of that stuff is out there. You just didn't play very well. Donovan says Grant is Russell Westbrook. Tournament bracket says AP is the guy that sits in the corner and does not move. If it feels leather, he's shooting it. <laughs> That's spot on, Brent. If I've ever seen anything, AP over there in the corner, yo, throw it, uh, shoot, shoot. No, I'm not going to move. I'm going to stand right over here. <laughs> uh, let's, let's continue on here. Got a couple more questions. Um, Charlie likes to point out, hey, Tennessee lost Hyatt, Hooker, Wright, Tillman, Byron Young in the NFL. There's a lot of talent to replace that is not very deep. Let's see. Yeah, uh, I mean, Michael says this. Te- go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say this team is inconsistent on both sides of the ball, but we'll get better with recruiting. There was one question over here. Yeah, this is where I wanted to go. Uh, Smitty has said, has Tennessee reached out to any A&M players? The answer is no, because that would be 100% against the rules right now. But with the firing of Jimbo Fisher – they're gonna, you know, make a, a huge, you know, hire at some point over the next couple of weeks. You know, that that's something to pay attention to because there's a lot of good player, a lot of good talent on that roster. How can that new regime or this current regime keep that team together throughout that process of finding a new head coach? How many players will dart to the portal when that window opens up? Uh, that'd be something to pay attention to, of course, with Jimbo Fisher being fired and. I would assume he's probably not going to be the only one fired in the SEC this year. No, I mean, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of smoke out there. Sam Pittman's not, no. not going to make it at Arkansas. I, I think, um, you know, it's going to be hard to see Arnett make it at, at Mississippi State when it's all said and done as well. I think the one fascinating thing uh, when it comes to coaching coaching departures um, with kids going in the portal is where are, where are you with your NIL deal? at your school. Are you on a multi-year deal? What, what do you got going on with your NIL and how does that potentially affect uh, your ability, your decision to, to go somewhere because, you know, of what you potentially could financially be given up. Now, some of those guys would be, you know, they could get an, an, a deal somewhere else and, and get paid a lot of money, obviously, but th- that's a side of it. We just haven't experienced yet. We're getting ready to really experience it for the first time, particularly with A&M's roster. Now, who do you hire? Um, all that stuff is going to factor in there as well, but um, it would uh, it'll be interesting to see which one of those kids are, are going in the portal. And I'm sure there's a lot of uh, uh, probably a lot of third party reaching out to a lot of people around the, the around the country right now about you know hey if I decide not to go if J- if Jimmy decides not to or decides to go would would you think you might be interested and you know, I, I I was Jimmy's I was Jimmy's youth coach when he was in the seventh. That doesn't grade. happen, so Brett. Come on. That's how I, oh yeah, that's exactly how it happens. You know that as well as I do. I mean, and coaches talk about it. The tampering that's going on out there right now is is nonstop. I mean, it'll. I mean, there's no way to control it. It'll it'll continue. I'm sure that there there are kids around. You you could go to every school in this conference, every school in this conference, and I bet there's some kid who's got a DM. From some third party somewhere, hey, are you happy where you're at? Because we'd, mm-hmm. I know a school that'd love to have you if you're interested in making a move. That I think that's happening on a regular basis the back half of every football season. One hundred percent. 
Uh, got a couple minutes left here. Let's go back to SEC football. He said, do you guys think we can compete with Georgia if we come and play, or is the lack of talent going to be the difference here? Um, I think Georgia's more talented than Tennessee, but 100% if Tennessee comes and plays and doesn't self-implode and runs the football and stops the run and finishes in the reds. I mean, if Tennessee plays up to its potential, then absolutely this can be a good ball game. Now, if the question is, you know, what, what could could the talent on Georgia's roster be the difference in a close game? Then, yeah, I mean, I would say yes, because I think Georgia's more talented than Tennessee. Um, Tennessee's just got to, again, I, I hate to continue to say this, but it's true. It's the snap and clear. It happened. Watch the tape. Learn from it. Move on, because Georgia's coming to town, and, and you better be prepared because they're not going to slow down for you. No, and you better find some answers. I mean, you, you better find some answers to some things. Um on defense, and it's not just what Missouri did, okay? It's, it's what's kind of been happening to you uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, the, uh, the underneath stuff has been a real problem, okay? I got news for you. They, they like to throw it to Brock Bowers underneath, so you're going to have to figure out, figure out a way to defend that. Um, you know, they, they've got McConkie going a little bit more. Um, they're getting healthy. George is getting better. Beck's getting better. They're getting, you know, they're getting right. Um, but they're playing on the road. Um, they're different, you know, um, playing at home. I mean, you, you knew Ole Miss was walking into a hornet's nest, right? And they, yeah. and they were, they got off to a good start, but it was a hornet's nest when you got there, you just gotta go play well. And, and the thing you gotta do is you gotta play a play at a time, a possession at a time. And when something bad happens, you can't let that affect you for a quarter of football or for three possessions of football. You, you, you know, you're talking about snapping and clearing and moving on from one game to the next that they've got to. They've got to play next possession better than what they're playing, what they played on the road. Now they played it better at home that way, but they in this game you better play next possession because if you dwell on the previous possession, then then you're going to let a lot of bad things happen to you. So uh, big challenge for Tennessee, but it should be one that you're you're um, looking forward to and ready to go. Yeah, as a competitor, as an athlete, as a football player, Josh Hobble says it before every big game. It's like this, this is why you come to Tennessee to coach in these games, to play in these games. I mean, if that didn't get you get you going, then, yeah, you, you probably shouldn't be here to begin with. Um, Lewis, we'll end on this one. Uh, Tennessee averaging a little over eight points in the second half here in SEC play, which isn't good enough. It's absolutely not good enough. What are your thoughts for the struggles in the second half? Two shutouts in the last three games. In fact, against Tennessee's last two ranked opponents on the road, 27 unanswered, 33 unanswered. Uh, again, it's, it's that one play to the next, one series to the next, one quarter to the next. Man, Tennessee is... With the scripted plays coming out of the gate, it's done a really, really nice job. And really, even beyond the scripted plays, they've done a nice job. But once you go into that second half, it's like Tennessee's in quicksand. Um, we've seen it more than once this year so far. And, and again, yeah, to, to Lewis's point, that's that, that's got to change. I mean, good teams don't get shut out in the second half. Good teams score more than eight points in the second half. Yeah, I mean, eight points in the second half is not going to win you. They're uh, not going to win you an SEC football game against a quality opponent. Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a great stat, Lewis, and, and it's, it's a great point. Uh, why has those struggles happened? Uh, probably some of its adjustments. Uh, probably some of it is Tennessee has shot themselves in the foot with some. I mean, think about last night. Um, you know, first possession, of the second half, you lose six yards on your first play because you don't execute a simple pitch. Yeah. Um, that they've hurt themselves that way with some critical penalties. Last night, another one. They're, they're going to go into the red zone. It's going to be first and goal inside the ten on a third and two that ended up with a holding penalty that was called on two different players. Now the one on square white, I thought was, was a, was a crap call. I didn't see the Jacob Warren one, but instead of that being first and goal inside the 10, you're now third and 11, right. And, and you end up punting the football there. Um, so you, you've not helped yourself. I, this has not been a very good 60 minute football team. The Kentucky game, they played 60 minutes. Um, you know, A&M, they made a play on special teams to win the football game for you in the second half, but they weren't a 60-minute team there. Uh, th this team has not played full four quarters. If you're going to beat somebody of quality, you're going to have to play full four quarters, and this team has just not had the ability to do that this year. I lied. This one's the last one out the door. Sushis or tacos? Tacos for me. What about you, Brent? Oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go tacos. I'll eat sushi. I don't. Um, I just don't get the love affair with. with look, I, I'm a sucker for chips and salsa. So the tacos are great. But if you can find me some salty chips at a Mexican restaurant with some salsa, um, and maybe maybe a frosty beverage of some kind with a lime in it, um, 
I'm, I'm a pretty happy camper. So is that um, not on the Tuesday night meal preparation for you every single week? The sushi? No, we don't do sushi. Now with chicken nachos are probably going to be on the, on the Tuesday night deal this week. Um, nice. that, that's a regular staple at our house, but, um, no, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not serving partially cooked fish wrapped in, in some rice and, and a grape leaf you know, with some bang bang sauce or some, some kind of sauce on top of it. That's probably not, probably not what I'm doing, Eric Kane. I don't, I, I don't have that kind of sophistication. I'm spending most of my day with some green beans in a crock pot. Oh, maybe we just keep you around Austin Price even more than you already are. Maybe you'll get some sophistication in your life. No, just kidding. That's yeah. chicken he's a, he's a big sushi guy. I can promise you that. <laughs> Hey, thanks to everybody for joining us here on the uh, Rocky Top Rewind. We do it every single Sunday night during football season, 8 to 9 o'clock. And uh, your questions, appreciate it. We'll be back. We'll take your questions on the Thursday mailbag. We'll have a Tuesday podcast. Uh, we got plenty of written content up on the front page. We'll have our first glance tomorrow at uh, looking at Georgia. Uh, big game sale coming up. New sale on the website. If you're not a member of VolQuest.com, great time. Huge uh, Florida game or Georgia game coming up this weekend. Plus, Tennessee basketball season has begun, so not a better time than right now to join our site half off your first year of annual subscription or $1 for one month. That deal goes live tomorrow morning, so we encourage you to come over and join us at VolQuest.com. Big thank you, as always, to Spivey King and Spivey LLP for making this coverage possible. And if you have a need, give them a call today for a free consultation at 423-245-4185. Brent Hubs, Grant Ramey, I am Eric Kane. Thanks so much for listening and watching us here on the Rocky Top Rewind. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.